the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sweden joins Finland in a plan to join NATO. That big border is a tactical and strategic advantage for NATO. The weekend sees mass shootings across the country. You know, let the politicians step back and have the, have the law enforcement professionals take care of it. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg addresses the national baby formula shortage. We are here because a company was not able to guarantee that its plant was safe. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Monday, May 16th. I'm Mike Scott. Thousands across the country attended the nationwide theatrical release of Dinesh D'Souza's new documentary, 2000 Mules. And now you can watch it from the comfort of your own home at Salem Now. Did operatives stuff ballot drop boxes during the 2020 election? Was the 2020 election really the most secure election in American history? Or were there widespread voter irregularities that have gone previously unreported? In this new film, with meticulous research from TrueTheVote.org, D'Souza examines these claims using geospatial and telemetric data, along with the security camera footage obtained through open records requests, to track the movement of so-called mules as they visited ballot drop boxes in multiple states around the country. Watch the documentary and decide for yourself. Go to SalemNow.com to watch 2,000 Mules on your computer or mobile device. Or download the Salem Now app on your smart TV to see 2,000 Mules, sponsored by the Salem Media Group. A new era in European cooperation. Finland's government declaring that new era is underway as it inches closer to seeking NATO membership. In Finland, President Saili Ninesta and Prime Minister Shana Marin confirmed their country will seek NATO membership during a joint news conference at the presidential palace in Helsinki. Finnish Prime Minister Marin saying she hopes that both Finland and Sweden will join NATO simultaneously. This is crucial uh, from the perspective of the whole uh, Nordic uh, and Baltic Sea region, the security uh, region that we share. I think it's very important that we are uh, making the decisions together and acting uh, as one uh, and also uh, making the decisions in the same timetable. Marin says diplomatic talks have been taking place between Finland and Turkey after Turkey's leader, Erdogan, expressed disapproval at Finland's decision to join NATO. Our president, Sauli Niinistö, has uh, discussed with Erdogan, and, and I think he will also have discussions with him in the future. And also our foreign ministers have, have had very good discussions with her, her, his counterpart in, in Turkey. So we will discuss 
con we will continue the discussions uh, further. That announcement comes hours before Sweden's governing party on Sunday backed a plan to join the Transatlantic Security Alliance amid Russia's war in Ukraine. These latest developments are likely to anger President Vladimir Putin, who has already warned his Finnish counterpart on Saturday that relations will be negatively affected. Meantime, NATO Deputy Secretary General Mircea Gerano says there's clear support for Sweden and Finland joining the defensive bloc. We know and we fully respect the democratic processes taking place in these two vibrant democracies. And if they will decide to seek membership, uh, I'm confident that uh, allies uh, will look constructively and positively uh, for their uh, membership into this uh, alliance. Former Admiral James Stavridis, a former Allied Supreme Commander of NATO in Europe, joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss the history-making moves from both Nordic countries. Stavridis says that admission of the two nations will strengthen NATO. We have got to get the Finns and the Swedes into NATO. Um, that big border is a tactical and strategic advantage for NATO. It allows us to move our bases, our troops, our jets up into that northern flank. It gives us real purchase into the Arctic. Stavridis says that Finland has many resources that would strengthen NATO. The Finns have a big army. They have uh, the largest number of artillery pieces in Europe. They have uh, a million reserves and 280,000 combat-capable, well-trained soldiers. Stavridis goes on to say that both countries come with strong naval resources that will be good for NATO. In terms of number of capable warships, it's in the dozens, and, and they're... They're focused on a relatively small maritime battle space, right, the Baltic Sea, and to some degree up in the Arctic. So um, in terms of number of ships for geographic area, um, highly capable, both of them, they operate alongside us. Now the latest on the war in Ukraine. Russian troops are withdrawing from around Ukraine's second largest city after bombing it for weeks, according to Ukrainian military officials. However, Ukrainian and Russian forces are engaged in a battle for that country's eastern industrial heartland. Security consultant Justin Crump says Russia now has taken on a more realistic target by focusing just on the east of Ukraine. It's a constant downshifting of gear towards smaller objectives that Russia can actually achieve. And I think on the biggest scale, they've actually downsized their strategy better to match their, um, their ability on the ground. Crumb says the Ukrainian military is benefiting from the use of foreign weaponry given by the U.S. and other countries. So we're seeing it takes a few weeks for these supplies to flow through. As a promise from the U.S., it's going to be faster. And, of course, Russia is trying to stop these flows. Meanwhile, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell and a delegation of GOP senators met with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in Kiev during an unannounced visit to the capital on Saturday. The Senate minority leader also expressed that the Biden administration should name Russia as a state sponsor of terror. McConnell also reiterated his commitment to passing the $40 billion aid package in the Senate, stalled last week due to Kentucky Senator Rand Paul objecting to the amount of spending 
that was being proposed. The U.S. is also suspending 25% import taxes on Ukraine's steel in a show of support for the country's beleaguered economy during the Russian invasion. Law enforcement on Monday says the white 18-year-old gunman who shot and killed 10 at a Buffalo, New York supermarket had researched local demographics while looking for places with a high concentration of black residents, arriving there at least a day in advance to conduct reconnaissance. Authorities say Peyton Gendron shot 11 black people and two whites Saturday. He has been arraigned on murder charges. In an interview, the Buffalo Police Commissioner says the gunman had been in town at least one day before. This individual uh, was in the Buffalo area at least the day before. It seems that he had come here to uh, scope out the area to do a little reconnaissance work on the area uh, before he uh, carried out his just evil, sickening act. Former FBI Assistant Director Chris Zwecker joined Fox News and says when tragedies like this happen, politicians need to urge calm and then allow law enforcement to do their jobs. Dial down the rhetoric. Every politician of every stripe seems to want to come in in a situation like this and and really put fuel on the fire. I've seen this governor come in two or three times now and it, you know it's political and it's and it it just fires things up and and that's where you have the nutcases out there like this guy who see this going on. You see somebody sort of stirring the pot trying to trying to demagogue the issue rather than just let the law enforcement professionals take care of it. And I, I, I get so tired of that. I think my, my colleagues do too. You know, let the politicians step back and have the, have the law enforcement professionals take care of this. Across the country on the West Coast, one person has been killed, five others injured in another shooting during a meeting of Asian churchgoers Sunday. According to Orange County Sheriff's Department officials, the attack was reported at Geneva Presbyterian Church in the retirement hub of Laguna Woods. No motive has been announced at this time. Officials are urging patience as it is a major ongoing investigation. Meantime, in Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot instituted a curfew on Sunday that no one under 18 will be allowed in Millennium Park after 6 p.m. on weekends after a 16-year-old was shot and killed at that popular tourist attraction. The victim of Saturday's shooting was identified as 16-year-old Shondell Holliday. The alleged shooter is 17 and is being charged with second-degree murder. The Supreme Court has changed forever. Justice Clarence Thomas says the court has been changed by whoever leaked the draft majority opinion earlier this month. The opinion suggests the court is poised to overturn Roe v. Wade, which federally protects abortion. Institution that I'm a part of, uh, if someone said that one line of one opinion would be leaked by anyone and you would say, that, oh, that's impossible. No one would ever do that. There's such a uh, belief in the rule of law, a belief in the court, a belief in what we were doing, that that was verboten. It was beyond anyone's understanding, or at least anyone's uh, imagination, that someone would do that. And look where we are, where now that trust or that belief is gone forever. Um, the, and when you lose that trust, 
especially in the institution that I'm in, uh, it changes the institution fundamentally. Uh, you begin to look over your shoulder. It's like kind of an infidelity uh, that you can explain it, but you can't undo it. The release of the opinion led to protest at the court and at homes of several conservative justices, prompting increased security around the justices themselves. Thomas lamented those protests and argued that conservatives do not engage in such tactics. Thomas did not comment on the substance of the 67-page draft opinion written by his colleague, Justice Samuel Alito. Mayors, police chiefs, and other local officials were at the White House Friday sharing with President Biden how they spent money from the $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package on policing and public safety. Daybreak Insider's Tim McGuire was there and has details on the president's remarks. The answer is not to defund the police. The answer is to fund the police with the resources and training they need to protect our communities. The Treasury Department is readying to release another round of funds for state and local governments out of the $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package. The president spoke as the Treasury Department prepared to release a second wave of coronavirus relief funding for state and local governments. On the baby formula case this morning, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg blamed Abbott Labs for the baby formula shortage on Sunday, saying that situation was fundamentally caused because a company was not able to guarantee its plant was safe. In February, Abbott was ordered to shut down their plant by the FDA due to a bacteria being found in four infants who consumed formula produced at the Sturgis, Michigan plant. The Transportation Secretary joined Face the Nation and discussed what he believes was behind the formula shortage. This has been ongoing for months. There were supply chain issues already. Then you have the issue with this one plant, Abbott. Um, whistleblower in September, February, the recall. It's May. Why has it taken so long? And why did the president on Friday seem to say that it was new information to him? He said, if we'd been better mind readers, I guess we could have done something earlier. Well, look, the administration acted from day one after the recall, taking steps like creating more flexibility for the WIC program to help rebalance the availability of formula in the states. There are more actions that are underway, including looking at imports. But fundamentally, we are here because a company was not able to guarantee that its plant was safe, and that plant has shut down. Buttigieg goes on to say that Abbott owns 40 percent of the market share in the country. This is a capitalist country. The government does not make baby formula, nor should it. Mm -hmm. Companies make formula. And one of those companies, a company which, by the way, seems to have 40 percent market share, messed up and is unable to confirm that a plant, a major plant, is safe and free of contamination. So the most important thing to do right now, of course, is to get that plant in Michigan up and running safely. Mm -hmm. And that's the work that's going on between the company and the FDA. CNN's Jake Tapper also pointed out to Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal of Washington that the baby formula crisis isn't the only issue the White House was previously warned about. This is hardly the first time that there's this slow-rolling anticipated disaster happening exactly as forewarned, whether it's the exit from Afghanistan, the border surge. The Biden administration does not want to call this a crisis. It, 
You just called it a crisis. It's a crisis, right? I mean, I think if you're a parent that can't get formula for your kid, it's a crisis. Abbott pushed back against the White House narrative in a Twitter thread, writing that a comprehensive investigation by Abbott, the FDA, and the CDC found no evidence that the formula ever caused infant illnesses. Abbott and the White House aren't the only ones feeling the heat due to a lack of baby formula. Actress Bette Midler also faced backlash after suggesting on Twitter that women should breastfeed in light of the current baby formula shortage by saying, quote, try breastfeeding. It's free and available on demand, end quote. Many users then were quick to point out that Midler's tweet failed to account for the many mothers who cannot breastfeed. The shortage is also raising particular concerns for babies who need specialty formula for many health reasons. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi went on to join State of the Union on Sunday and says it's blackmail for Republicans holding up a COVID-19 relief bill, she believes, as a way to demand a vote on Title 42. We have to do the COVID package. There's no use holding it up to blackmail as, as the Republicans are trying to do. We're working on it. We'll find a way. It has to be done because people are continuing to... to um, uh, I hear every moment, all the time now, hopefully not as deadly as the previous uh, COVID-19, but nonetheless, we must pass the package. And we again, they should not connect it. I don't know why 42 would be on it. It has nothing to do with it. But nonetheless, I think COVID, I think Title, the Title 42, uh, the president made the right decision. The fact is now that we have to either substitute for it, but we must pass the COVID package. Title 42 is a Trump-era pandemic public health policy that allows for the rapid expulsion of migrants at the border who test for COVID-19. The Speaker's comments came after Senate Republicans in April blocked a $10 billion COVID-19 bill after Democrats refused to vote on an amendment They called for blocking the Biden administration from rescinding Title 42. Brandon Judd is president of the Border Patrol Council. He joined Fox News and said that even Democrats are now realizing how important Title 42 is to maintain border security. There is an awful lot of concern what's going on right now. Just look at my home state of Arizona, um, where I patrol the border. We have two senators that are both Democrats, and they are not just breaking from the president. They're running from the president. They recognize that this issue has gotten completely out of control. They recognize that it's a crisis. They've been trying to get Biden to uh, admit that, that d- define the issue that we're, that we're facing, because if we define it, then we can come up with uh, solutions to the problem. Yet this administration continues to refuse to to even use the word crisis. We have to look at what is necessary. And these Democrats, they're actually willing to look at and say, this is a problem. Now, I do believe that it's politics. I believe that they, they know that it's, it's because this issue alone could potentially lose them their reelection bid. But regardless, at least they're stepping up to the plate and saying this administration is wrong. Facial recognition startup Clearview AI has agreed to restrict the use of its massive collection of facial imagery to settle allegations that it collected people's photos without their consent. Daybreak Insider's George Williams 
has that story. In a legal filing, the company has agreed to permanently stop selling access into its face database to private companies or individuals around the U.S. That puts a limit on what it can do with its ever-growing trove of some 20 billion images pulled from social media and elsewhere on the Internet. The settlement in a Chicago federal court will end a two-year-old lawsuit brought by the American Civil Liberties Union and other groups over alleged violations of an Illinois digital privacy law. And finally, the mysterious illness impacting kids with hepatitis. The number of mysterious hepatitis cases under investigation among children has now reached 450, according to the European Center for Disease Prevention and control. Now, disease experts are not sure yet what's behind these cases. However, many hypotheses have begun to emerge. The leading theory is that an adenovirus, which often causes cold or flu-like symptoms, or stomach problems, may be to blame. Dr. Cor Contenescu, a pediatric infectious disease expert, explains what parents should be on the lookout for. I'm watching this very carefully. Um, There seems to be some association of this hepatitis with presentation of gut infection, so nausea, vomiting. If at any point the kids end up to the point where they cannot keep any fluid down, you cannot get fluid back into them because they're vomiting and having diarrhea, you need to go in and have that child assessed. At the same time, when you have kids with um, white stools or a really dark urine or a jaundice or yellowing of the skin, those are all signs that this could be hepatitis and the kid should be brought in. More than half of the U.S. cases tested positive for adenovirus, according to the CDC. The Daybreak Insider podcast will follow this medical mystery and will provide more information when it becomes available. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.